0: Welcome to ESG in 10, a podcast delving into the world of ESG, 10 minutes at a time. We're your hosts, Charlotte O'Mara and Agnieszka Cochran, Senior ESG Specialists here at Fedante. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome to another episode of ESG in 10, Active Ownership versus Divestment. There has been a hot debate across the market in recent years on this topic, particularly in relation to the sectors most impacted by the transition to a sustainable economy, such as the fossil fuel sector. Some parts of the economy believe in completely divesting from some industries while others fundamentally believe active ownership is the best way to achieve positive investment, business and community outcomes. Merlon Capital Partners is one of the managers that believe in corporate engagement and are deeply committed to the principles of active ownership. I am delighted to be joined today by Rebecca Elkoury, ESG and Sustainability Manager from Merlon, to discuss their unique approach to corporate engagement. Beck, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Charlotte. It's great to be here. So I'll delve into some of the detail of your engagement program shortly, but where I'd like to start is the origins of your engagement program. So what initiated your thinking around active ownership and your passion for engagement at Merlon?
1: Yeah, great question. Well, I joined the business in 2021 and we took that as an opportunity to take a step back as a team and really deep dive into what ESG meant to us, not only as investors, but as business owners as well. And from this exercise, we were able to form a really clearly articulated ESG philosophy, which really lays the foundation for everything we do in ESG, from our ESG integration approach all the way through to our engagement program, which we're talking about today. When forming our ESG philosophy, we we had a number of team sessions where we discussed and debated what ESG meant to each individual and what were the key themes that came from that. And one of the really strong and aligned beliefs as a team that came from those discussions was that society is better off with responsible owners and active investors, which seek to not only improve investment outcomes, but also broader societal outcomes. Alternatively, we looked at the opposite in terms of widespread divestment and exclusion strategies, which we thought could actually lead to greater privatisation of these assets. And that could actually lead to perverse social and environmental outcomes in the sense that private companies aren't held to the same standard as publicly listed ones, not only from a disclosure perspective, but also being in the public eye. As such, we have a stronger preference for ESG integration paired with active ownership to drive those positive outcomes rather than
0: divestment and exclusion strategies. And what I love about this is that as a team, you really stepped back You thought deeply about your values and you thought deeply about what active ownership means to you in developing your philosophy before then developing that engagement framework. Um, so based on this deep thinking around your philosophy, how did you then develop your engagement framework? And I know you take a really unique approach to engagement at Merlon. Can you take us through, um, how you approach engagement and some of that detail of your framework? Yeah,
1: that's right. I guess I might take a step back and quickly um, think about before my time. And before my time, the team was a lot more reactive in the way it approached engagement. And so a lot of the engagement activity was happening after the event or a decision had been made. So it was a lot more reactionary. And we thought when we took on our EHD philosophy, we thought, how is this working in terms of driving positive outcomes? And we found that it was almost too late at that point. So we thought, how can we change this and shift this up? And so what we did is we established and rolled out a really structured and formal engagement approach with portfolio board and management teams. And it's really integrated into our whole investment process. So following a stock review um, that we have as a team, we actually uh, write formally to board directors. And that happens either before we make an initial investment or coinciding with a small initial investment. And in these letters, we clearly outline a couple of things. The first is we introduce ourselves and and our beliefs. And I think that helps to give the board a sense of where we're coming from and what's driving the way we're thinking about their company. The second is we outline um, quite clearly in black and white our investment thesis of the company, which is quite daunting because we have to spell out, you know, the valuation range and that's where we think the company sits um, Mm -hmm. in terms of value and the key assumptions driving that valuation. And we also provide an overview to our approach to ESG matters including our ESG philosophy and what that means for them. In these, these letters we also summarise the key ESG issues that we've identified in our research and in through that peer review process and we include any clear recommendations that we really want to see the company enact on. And finally we seek further opportunities to constructively engage with the company because we do see this as a two-way dialogue with where we seek to influence, but we also really want to learn from the company as well.
0: And in taking that proactive approach, I think across the market, what we've seen is that stewardship has to be outcomes based and outcomes focused. And I think that's what clients are looking for as well. I mean, you're asked all the time and I'm asked all the time for outcomes based engagement reporting and so in shifting your framework to a more proactive approach, what outcomes do you set before an engagement, um, that may have an impact on the investment process itself?
1: No, absolutely. And I think, um, for us as well at Merlon, you know, our time is also limited. So we were really focused on when we engage with these companies, we want to be driving outcomes, otherwise activity for activity's sake is just not really useful for anyone. So we have really two key goal goals in mind when we reach out to these companies and the first is around making a difference. So through our letters, we really aim to educate board and management teams on the significance of the ESG issues we have identified through our research. And and that also includes summarising what we're hearing from the market and what their concerns are. And we also quite clearly spell out how we factored that into our valuation range and provide clear recommendations moving forward. Now, we also have a really clear goal in mind for ourselves, and that's improving our own decision-making. We are human. We also know that we aren't perfect. So we really want to make sure, given the fact that we aren't taking on divestment or exclusion strategies, that if we are looking to fully integrate uh, the ESG considerations into our valuations, we really need to be comfortable that we've fully understood the issue. We factored it in well. And we're comfortable around that in our valuations.
0: That's really interesting. And what I love about what you said there is that by putting it in black and white, you really have to stand by what you're writing. And, And I think that that shows the conviction that you have in your engagement process. So we've heard about your philosophy. We've heard about your deep thinking about active ownership, and we've also heard about your really unique process with your letter writing and then company meetings as well. So. Active ownership and outcomes and positive outcomes are really driven by real-world examples. And what I love about the Merlon process is that you cover a broad range of issues in your engagement program. I'd love you to take us through uh, one of these issues in particular being problem gambling, because I know you've done quite a lot of work and a lot of research around this major issue and systemic issue across the community.
1: We at Merlon, we've spent a lot of time over at least 18 months committed to really understanding the issue of problem gambling harm in Australia and that includes engaging industry experts, reviewing the existing research on the issue and also commissioning our own proprietary independent third-party survey to really quantify the size of the issue and potential regulatory changes that could help address the harm it's causing. We felt really passionate about this and and. Armed with all this research, we we engaged a number of gaming companies, including the Star Entertainment Group and Tab Corp Holdings. With the Star, we engaged the company about a year ago. It was the middle of 2022, and the the company had originally became undervalued due to market concerns regarding its inability to retain its casino license, the preceding leadership clear out, and also its evidence of poor compliance with respect to anti-money laundering. However, we felt that there were other issues that weren't really being thought about in the market and and particularly problem gambling. So we actually reached out and met with the company and really wanted to understand from them their strategies to reduce problem gambling heart. And from these meetings, we felt that their own strategies were actually not sufficient at all in terms of addressing this this huge issue. And furthermore, the culture within was one that was not appropriate to reduce its exposure to slow social license risk and regulatory changes associated with this. As such, we left that meeting and really, as a team, discussed what do we do from here? And we felt that it was appropriate to heavily discount the cash flows associated with problem gambling harm for the star, and we actually decided not to invest in that company. At the same time, we also met with Tab Corp. We had several one-on-one engagements with them as well over a similar time frame, including the CEO, and we also asked them to run us through their strategies to reduce harm, including plans for the future and their own risk management tools. We found from the, these engagements that the company was much better prepared when compared to the start and had a much more appropriate culture of responsibility and ownership regarding this issue. Now, despite this, we still felt that there were opportunities for them to improve and some gaps in their approach. So we actually continued to do our own research and talking with experts and have now used all of that work to write out a letter to the TAPCOP board outlining the research we've undertaken to date and documenting clear recommendations for them to improve on their behaviour and risk management strategies regarding problem gambling. And we're continuing to engage with the company to to date, to really follow up and monitor their progress around our recommendations.
0: And it shows the importance of targeted engagement programs, doesn't it? Because these issues can sometimes be overlooked and they're such huge systemic community issues, but sometimes in engagement meetings, you know, it's a tick the box exercise and I think the proactive nature of your approach demonstrates that important systemic issues like problem gambling. You know, need to be front and center in a meeting, and like what you've done with the two examples there with Star and Tabcorp. Thank you so much, Beck, for joining us today, and I'm really keen to watch your engagement program unfold further. Thank you, and that is a wrap for this episode of ESG in Ten. A big thank you to Beck and Merlon Capital Partners for the engaging conversation on active ownership. If you like this episode, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and rate and review this episode. Feedback is always welcome. The content today was produced by Melanie James with audio production by Jonathan Stilianu. I'm Charlotte O'Mara and this is ESG in 10 with Fedante.